everyone. Welcome back to the Nurturing Radical Kindness podcast, a space where we explore radical kindness as a pathway to achieving social justice. My name is Vandita and my pronouns are she and her. And I'm Sanchi and my pronouns are she, her as well. Thank you everyone for joining us today. We have been loving your engagement on all our previous episodes and are super excited to have you listen in as we talk about data feminism today. When we talk about data feminism, in essence, it means relooking at data and tech and relooking in a manner that is informed by an intersectional feminist lens. However, data feminism ke aur bhi bohat sari aspects hain and we will be looking at some of these in our episode today. So, shuru karte hain because we have a lot of interesting things to discuss and to start us off, Vandita, why don't you tell us a bit about what data feminism actually is? Ye hota kya hai? Thanks for that question, Sanchi. It's such a fundamental question to even start thinking about what this concept is and what it looks like. So in a book titled Data Feminism, the authors Catherine Dignacio and Lauren F. Klein, they mention data feminism as a way of thinking about data and its analysis and display that is informed by the tradition of feminist activism as well as feminist critical thought. Which is to say that, you know, the way we currently collect data is fairly capitalistic, it's extractive, it positions people as a product and data feminism is a way to look at data and see what is it that we can do with data that is beneficial without creating any sort of negative harm and consequences, right? Data feminism also has like very practical elements to it. It helps us re-look at how inherent biases get crept up into data how machine learning, um, artificial intelligence can become biased as well and how over the long term some technological tools can often do more harm than good, right? Because they perpetuate and they create first and then they perpetuate a new kind of structure of oppression that replicates the offline world. So for example, um, thinking about who are we collecting data about, who collects this data, what does that say about the sort of data recording we're doing. All of these are important questions when we think about data feminism. And data feminism also examines data science and technology through a lens where you identify power and how it is often skewed. And then you work towards correcting that skewed power balance, right? Data feminism teaches us to look behind the data, to see who is recording this data, whose data is being recorded, analyzing it, accounting for inherent biases, and not just say, okay, this is the data, ki ye data hai, aapke ko bas isse accept kar lo. Just you know, if we get WhatsApp message, we can accept it. But data feminism asks us to question it, right? It says that if you have a message, if you have a message, you can think that message is wrong, is wrong, Same way, data feminism asks you to think that you have a data that is wrong, is wrong, is wrong, is wrong, is to understand biases And then it also goes on to look at how oppression can be interlinked, how digital spaces mirror on-ground situations, and how this can become a way for a lot of people to hold on to privileges, right? In fact, you know, Sanchi, I'm going to also ask you, because we've been having this conversation so much, why is data feminism so important? And why do we need to talk about it and how it impacts us? Right. Thank you so much for that. And I think, Vandita, you've already laid the ground for why we need to talk about it and why is it important to us. And we will be coming back to this with our guests for today. But to start us off, like you said, our data is all around us, right? And what data feminism does is that its first step is to just examine power structures, like you said. 
एंड इट रियली सीज यू नो हाउ पावर ऑपरेट्स इन द वर्ल्ड एंड एक बार ये एनालिसिस हो गया तब इट मूव्स टू सी हाउ इज इट दैट वी कैन चैलेंज दीज पावर स्ट्रक्चर्स एंड ऑफकोर्स गोइंग बैक टू अगेन वॉट यू सेड इट्स इम्पॉर्टेंट टू रिमेंबर कि डेटा इन इट्स सेल्फ इज नॉट ऑब्जेक्टिवली गुड और बैड इट्स हाउ इट इज़ यूज एंड हाउ दैट सर्व ओनली सम पीपल इज वॉट वी हैव टू टेक इन टू कंसिडरेशन एंड डेटा फेमिनिज्म एक्चुअली हेल्प इज डू एग्जैक्टली दैट जो हमारा डेटा है इट रिफ्लेक्ट्स एग्जिस्टिंग पावर स्ट्रक्चर्स ऑफकोर्स एंड एक एग्जाम्पल लेते हैं यहाँ पे विच गोज बैक अगेन टू वॉट वी वर स्टार्टिंग विद विच इज़ हाउ इज इट दैट द डेटा दैट वी पुट इन टू आर सिस्टम्स कैन लीड टू मशीन्स मिररिंग दम सो द इनहेरेंट बायसिस एंड द सर्कल दैट इट परपेचुएट्स सो अगर जो हमारा डेटा है उसमें ही बायसेज होंगी दैन द मशीन्स विल मिरर दोज बायसेज से हिस्टोरिकली इफ वी हैव हायर्ड मोर मैन दैन पीपल ऑफ अदर जेंडर्स फॉर सीनियर मैनेजरियल पोजिशन एंड हम ये डेटा एक ए आई मशीन को फीड करेंगे दैन दिस बायस विल गेट रेप्लिकेटेड वेन द मशीन मेक्स अ डिसीजन सो दी एल्गोरिदम विल देन ऑटोमेटिकली बी बायस्ड इन फेवर ऑफ मैन एंड ये साइकिल चलता जाएगा सो दिस इज वे डेटा फेमिनिज्म स्टेप्स अप टू हेल्प एस फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल रिकग्नाइज एग्जिस्टिंग पावर स्ट्रक्चर्स एंड देन इट हेल्प एस चैलेंज दैम इट इट रियली जस्ट हेल्प्स एस रीथिंक द बाइनरीज एंड हाईराकीज दैट वी एग्जिस्ट इन एंड बिकॉज वी रिकग्नाइज दैम इट ऑल्सो पुशेज अस टूवर्ड्स एक्सेप्टिंग प्लूरलिज्म बिकॉज डेटा फेमिनिज्म ये कहता है कि नॉलेज कम्स फ्रॉम लिव्ड एक्सपीरियंस एंड इट टेल्स एस दैट कोई भी कम्प्लीट नॉलेज अगर कुछ है दैट कम्स फ्रॉम अ सिंथिसिज ऑफ मल्टीपल परस्पेक्टिव एंड उसमें भी इट गिवस प्रायोरिटी टू लोकल एंड इंडिजनस वेज ऑफ नोइंग तो दिस मीन्स दैट नॉलेज स्टेम्स फ्रॉम कम्बाइंड एफर्ट्स रादर दैन इंडिविजुअल मास्टरी एंड इसके साथ ही अनदर वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट थिंग दैट डेटा फेमिनिज्म डज इज दैट इट ऑल्सो मेक्स द लेबर ऑफ दीज मल्टीपल हैंड्स विजिबल एंड जैसा कि हम फेमिनिस्ट लीडरशिप प्रिंसिपल्स में भी देखते हैं जब सक्सेस या अचीवमेंट की बात होती है तो दीज आर नॉट क्रेडिटेड टू जस्ट वन लीडर सबका लेबर सबका एफर्ट एंड अगेन द नॉलेज दैट कम्स फ्रॉम द कम्युनिटी इज नॉट ओनली एक नॉलेज बट इट्स ऑल्सो रियली वैल्यूड सो इफ वी गो ऑन ट्रस्टिंग डेटा ब्लाइंडली इट कुड लीड टू परपेचुएटिंग मोर हार्म एज वी वॉलरी सीन जैसे कि यू एस ए में कुछ जगहों पर रिस्क असेसमेंट एल्गोरिदम्स यूज होते हैं टू इन्फॉर्म प्रिजन सेंटेंस या बेल ग्रांटिंग डिसीजनस तो यहाँ पे रिसर्च है शोन दैट थ्रू दिस एल्गोरिदम ब्लैक डिफेंडेंस आर मिसलेबल्ड एज हाई रिस्क मोर ऑफन दैन वाइट डिफेंडेंस एंड अलॉन्ग द सेम लाइन्स देर इज दिस ब्रिलियंट मिक्स मीडिया इंस्टोलेशन बाई मीमी ओनोहा इट्स कॉल द लाइब्रेरी ऑफ मिसिंग डेटा सेट्स एंड इन द आर्टिस्ट ओन वर्ड्स इट इज अ फिजिकल रिपोजिटरी ऑफ दोज थिंग्स दैट हैव बीन एक्सक्लूडेड इन अ सोसाइटी वेर सो मच इज कलेक्टेड एंड दे गो वॉन्ट टू से दैट वॉट वी इग्नोर इन आर वर्ल्ड रिवील सो मच दैन वॉट वी गिव आर अटेंशन so the piece is based on data feminist principles and what it does it is help uh, it's helping us look at the existing power hierarchies through what is considered worthy enough to be collected or what's worth uh, paying attention to and that's only a bit about why data feminism is so important especially today and i think now would be a perfect time to introduce our guest for the day and get to hear from a practitioner right vandita oh definitely i'm so excited about our guest today um because they were someone i initially was able to externally start exploring my interest in data feminism with and i'm so glad that all of you get to listen to them as well so let's introduce them sachi so today we have um shakti shi joining us she's a 21 year old young engineering graduate from chennai she's also a citizens for public leadership fellow 2021 a one future fellow for 2020 and a youth panel member for cmh global mental health data bank project 
She's also a machine learning engineer and an intersectional feminist. Shakti is passionate about looking at data through the lens of justice and intersectionality, and she hopes to get into the global policy field of AI and technology. And is currently doing research on democratization of data and data feminism in regards to the global south. We're so glad to have you with us, Shakti. Hi, Vandita. Hi, Sanchi. It's such an honor for me to be here. Thank you for having me. Not at all. The pleasure and the honor is all ours. We're so glad you're here with us today. So I'm going to jump right in with my first question, right? Um, Shakti, for me, I'd love to understand that how did you get involved with your work in data feminism? Well. I think that's a very important question and it's something that I often ask myself as well as to what the starting point is but then I think I can never really pinpoint the day that I started looking at data feminism I think from in from when I was in school there was always a notion of uh, justice and ethics um that was always underlying a lot of what I did and to be honest um so I'm basically um uh, I graduated out of engineering like I did computer science and engineering a bachelor's degree to be honest initially I did not want to do engineering I was sort of leaning towards doing law but then um I don't know if it was fate but I ended up you know doing engineering and I graduated last year and even while I was in college um whatever projects we did or be it the programs the way that you know we were taught about it algorithms Uh, modules on ml ai big data cloud computing it was very objective and you know in the usual sense they were good lessons uh, we got a lot of details on how these technologies work in the you know world in general but one thing that always irked me is how are these technologies going to be translated for impact that's worthy right impact that's inclusive um in nature and that's that's a question that i never got answered to um and after i graduated out of college i think during the pandemic it really gave me the headspace to further interrogate read books uh, talk to people and that's when i came across data feminism the book that you talked about in the beginning vandita and i also came across a lot of wonderful articles online uh, a lot of great books actually and that sort of just you know really got me into thinking more about this whole concept of data feminism and professionally i'm a machine learning engineer so it's very much um relevant to my field if i should say so i work with data on a day to day basis and again even you know be it my personal project be it professional be it anywhere yeah like when i talk to my peers or colleagues the way that uh the machine learning field or the data science field is in is is looking at data in, in a very objective way but i think slowly people are coming to realize that data is cannot be completely objective and there is subjectivity to it and it's very important to look at ethics so on and so forth i mean i think this is very um uh, obvious from the whole talks of us interrogating all the big tech companies with india trying to get in the pdp bill and so on so there is some form of traction happening now but i would say like i mean in summary uh, i would say that you know in my mind the thread of justice the thread of ethics was always there and having become professionally into the field of data it just made sense for me to be involved in it and to really you know uh, live through the beliefs that i have around intersectionality ethics and justice 
thanks so much for that shakti thanks for sharing your experience with us and it's so great to see that your experience was also informed by subjectivity which is also one of the founding principles of black feminist theory which is also informed a lot of data feminism so thanks for sharing that with us and um, you know we were talking about this briefly before as well and we would love to hear from you why do you think data feminism is something that everyone should be talking about why is it so important especially today so um data is not neutral and that's a belief that i strongly hold and with advancing technologies um both in terms of software and hardware uh, our world is increasingly leveraging data as a sort of quote unquote fuel to run an uh, run an abundance of business activities or day to day tasks and so on so it's pretty much present in everything that we do on a day to day basis right like from our phones to like even like the recommendation systems in the shopping carts of amazon or like netflix so it so some form of processing of data is continually happening and this has become sort of the advancing tech that's been there that started like a couple of years ago and it's still going on right and i think in such a situation when the world is heavily relying on data when it's becoming a political and a social sense it's very important to start paying attention to it far more than from you know like bandita mentioned before like an extractive sense like for instance if i have to quote like the importance of data inclusivity in a very you know simple day to day or a uh, research based uh, task like for instance if you take seat belts right so cars have been designed mainly on data collected from car crash dummy tests using the physique of men as a result women are 47% more likely to be seriously injured and 17% more likely to uh, die than a man in a similar accident since women's body shape and pregnant bodies do not comply with the so called standard measurements so you can see over here how um important and how you know data inclusivity or the type of data who we include in data research which problem statements we choose to use data for really matters and it's just becoming more and more relevant as like the days pass by when we have you know uh, programs like facial technology being released in the public or uh, when we have you know scary stuff like mobi quick data leaks that recently happened and also maybe another event i guess to quote would be the very recent uber driver facial recognition failure like it's very very clear of the obvious effect of data on our everyday lives and i think it's high time that we come out of the sort of uh, capitalistic or like masculine nature of how people look at data research projects and really focus uh, focus more into into a feministic lens which includes collaboration which includes you know uh, a really intersectional aspect to it so yep i would say <laughs> i guess if we just take a look at news or if we open social media the answer is right there data feminism is something that we really need thank you for sharing that prashak i think that's such an impactful point that you're making here like you know when you're speaking and i'm thinking about this and i'm thinking is everything i watch now on netflix dictated by what i decided to watch 2 years ago and then netflix decided that's all i am and now i've just been watching that because those are the recommendations that come up like how much of me is being shaped also by the very rigid idea of what data creates of us right like 
it doesn't allow us the fluidity it doesn't allow us to evolve and change and then it pushes back on us in a way that forces us sometimes also to stay the same even the uber example you brought up that's very interesting because it also brings to light how much of a digital divide there is and how such principles and such forms of tech processing data can affect different people so differently like in the uber incident a man went on a hindu pilgrimage and he shaved his head and came back and then the uber um, you know system for like taking a selfie and identifying yourself as a driver just would not recognize him anymore um, but this also then speaks to the fact that because he's someone who probably is not as comfortable with technology he's been physically visiting the uber office day day on day and nothing's happening about that so there are so many interlinkages of issues um not only in terms of how data is processed but even in terms of like how many of us know how to get it corrected how many of us have that sort of access how many of us even understand these issues right because i know it took me forever to be able to reach even like a 1% understanding and that's where my next question even comes from that and it's something that i've been thinking about a lot is like how do you think of conversations in the tech space and how do you think about solution for accommodating different types of bodies in the digital space while these differences are very apparent in our cities or physical spaces right like how does a male white cisgender heterosexual body navigate a physical space as opposed to maybe a trans person or as opposed to someone else and that makes me think about how do you do this in the digital space because it's so much trickier so how do you think oppression manifests itself in the digital space and how can we address it i think if you look at the way business models are even made today so they embrace the concept of rationality self interest and maximizing efficiency and you know and if we t- if i take that into consideration then most of the business models cater to like the majority population over a so called minority so i think in the digital space oppression really manifests in the way of algorithmic bias in the sense of you know not really having those um, voices or those you know characteristics really included in it purely because the business model that's been foundationally established the so called capitalistic business model that's been established may not necessarily incentivize that if i may say so um in that case i would really now bring to focus the point of funding and so when it comes to data projects so it's not also just about algorithmic bias like i mentioned before another aspect to also take into consideration is funding and we all know that the sort of funding that is highly um, popular has popular these days has has the sense of power attached to funding like if someone were to fund me then i know that there's some form of power they sort of influence over the projects that i do or the um decisions that i make and i feel like this really translates into a lot of data research projects and that it becomes very important for one to really you know step back and understanding what are my influences or which are the kind of influences coming into play when i'm sort of doing a particular problem statement right and um often at times there's also this sort of uh, i don't know addiction towards high accuracy like we have all these objective metrics like accuracy precision recall so on and so forth but then sometimes i feel personally there isn't a metric that can really measure the actual impact of it in the real world as such and when i say impact like the impact on 
like the kind of maybe maybe the algorithm brings out some form of injustice and that injustice isn't really measured right and um, there's this very famous line that i keep saying a lot like if there's no data in it then it never existed and there's this need for always quantifying something and i think that also comes down to the theory of burden of proof so if there is injustice then i need to really have a proof of it quantitatively or in some form of data somewhere but if you don't have these mechanisms for algorithms or data systems to measure these quantitatively then so often it just becomes invisible and no one really hears of it right what makes me happy though is the fact that there are a lot of organizations coming forth and talking about this like one future collective themselves and we have foundations like the internet freedom foundation and a lot of authors like sasha who wrote the book uh, design justice which is also an incredible book talking about all these um, oppression that takes place in the digital space i believe as well as in outside spaces like in the physical space as well so um i would say that it's a journey that uh, or it's it's a process of learning and unlearning that has to take place here like i really believe in education and in creating awareness so in colleges i would love for engineering colleges or even like like data is also just not about technology right like data is present in economics in the soci- sociological sector psychological sector so it's present everywhere so it's also not something that's just um you know bounded in the so called tech space so i would really hope that we have better education or better discourses on the concept of justice and ethics in these um in in this perspective of data and all the subjects so that that is always like the underlying thread in any student's mind or in any professional's mind when they come forth and do work in real life thanks so much for that shakti so many interesting things that you were talking about coming up like how economic capital translates into power in the digital space or you know when you were talking about how do we quantify injustice and how if there's no data it never happened it really just took me back to mimi onuha's piece on the missing data sets and how like oppression is so deep rooted that what even deserves to be quantified is the first question right and shakti since we're talking about oppression in the digital space and i know that you have done some work with this why do you think it's important to look data feminism through the lens of the global south as well that is such an important question so the production and dissemin- dissemination of knowledge is greatly shaped by power relations right and that's where i talk about how i really believe education is important and if you take a look at our textbooks and our curriculum i believe that western theories and works feature more prominently in our syllabus in policy making and the general way that a lot of people think about in our world and sometimes these voices are taken as a universal default and of course this is not a natural process rather it was something that was constructed over centuries through socio political forces like colonization being one of them so in such a situation i believe that the voices of the global south here really matters so it's almost like taking a stand against what we consider the norm and really relooking at everything in perspective or in the perspective of who we are and where we really are centered in right and there's a brilliant paper by Pyle Arora called the bottom of the data pyramid big data and global south and 
in the paper she basically talks of how there's this sort of skepticism and caution on the social impact of big data in the west you know for instance we had like gdpr come in which really took into consideration uh the privacy uh privacy of personal data but then if you look at the global south there's always this bias in framing big data as an instrument of empowerment so there's always almost a sort of dichotomy that exists and it is true that you know data can help us in a lot of ways when implemented correctly but in the paper she talks about analyzing these developments through the lens of database democracies identities and geographies to to really you know ask the critical questions of these projects uh so that's a paper definitely that everyone should read because it brings out a lot of interesting points and and also like you know if you look at uh big tech companies like facebook and instagram and um, google so on and so forth so these are social platforms that a lot of us use on a day to day basis but a lot of their policies are sort of centered around global north based policies right and then that's when it's very important for us to really come forth and talk about the relevance of the context here the relevance of the subjectivity there because something that may apply there might not necessarily apply here and you know it's really important to get into consideration the voice of the global south i mean again data feminism is about this whole aspect of intersectionality and getting as many voices in the voices who are truly uh part of the process to come in and i think that's why it's very important to look at data feminism through the lens of the global south that's super important shakti i mean this you know like takes me back to about what is it that i have lost in my understanding um, even as i try to learn because there just maybe is not enough knowledge production or enough focus even uh, on writers researchers in the global south or even on practices for her which is also to go to go back to the term of thinking you know, who define global south and for us to question that and that's something perhaps we can take up in another episode but since we are winding up i have a question for you which is for alice What are maybe like you know your top three, top five, um, how many ever active practices around data feminism that our listeners can incorporate into their everyday lives? Thank you for that question, Bandita. I would, I would say that um, these seven principles of data feminism are super important, and they really inspired me in my day-to-day lives and the tasks that I do. For instance, the if I have to take the first principle being examining power. i'm making it um i'm making it a habit to really sort of question and think a bit mindful of a lot of actions that i do or the actions that i observe um out in the real world and one of the tools that i use to sort of think that way is by thinking of the matrix of domination if i have to explain the matrix of domination a bit more it basically tries to look at a particular thing through the lens through through four matrices the first being the structural domain second being the disciplinary domain third being the hegemonic domain and the fourth being the interpersonal domain and this comes off the belief that people experience and resist oppression on three levels the level of personal biography the the group or community level of uh, of the cultural context created by race caste religion gender and then of course on top of that we have the systemic level of social and political institutions so i really try to look at these three layers you know understand what is the 
systemic oppression that has existed here? What is the community hegemonic domain level of oppression? And then what is some sort of bias or oppression that comes from my own interpersonal domain, so-called? And then one of my favorite principles of all here is in, in The Seven by Catherine and Lauren is make labor visible, right? So that is something that is so important, like, you know, giving credit where it's due and also making sure that it's recognized and valued. Uh, in the global south, I think it really matters because um, a lot of times you have like the invis the so-called invisible la uh, labor. So I, I always see labor in terms of this big iceberg where you only see like a peak of it outside, but you have so many, you know, um, uh, hard effort being done by millions of people that often goes uh, discredited. So making labor visible is something that I do in my day-to-day -day life. So whenever I do a project, like even, you know, if someone remotely helps me and contributes in it, I really make sure to credit them wherever possible. So I think the principles themselves provide a very good foundation for everyone to um, think of and get inspired by and do their own take on it in terms of their day-to-day -day activities. As long as, you know, at the very end, you just keep intersectionality in your mind and you make sure that you're really inclusive in what you do, I think those actions then really matter at the end. Thanks so much for sharing that with us, Shakti. I think the matrix of domination, like everything else that Patricia Hill Collins has written and spoken about, is really just a superb way of starting to question and then challenge things around us, right? And thanks for speaking about how we can make labor visible. The small actions, like you said, if somebody has helped out um, in a project, making sure that we recognize that and how it's just so feminist at its core, right? I have learned so much from this and I think our listeners would definitely agree to that. So thanks a lot. And um, as we close this uh, episode for today, uh, Shakti, would you like to leave us with a reflection activity for the week, which can maybe help us realize how data feminism is relevant in our everyday lives? Definitely. And I think it's probably uh, perfect for me to mention again the matrix of domination here. I would really suggest the listeners to take some time in the coming week to perhaps just take one task or one particular situation in their life and deconstructing it into these four matrices that I talked about. The first being the structural domain, second being the disciplinary domain, third being the hegemonic domain, and fourth being the interpersonal domain. If I have to make it a bit more simple, think about what was the systemic level of solution, uh, social and political institution playing part in that situation. The second level you can think about would be the community or the culture. And then the third level could be your own bias or your own, you know, uh, narrative or your domain playing a part there and I guess once you're able to think of a particular situation in that structure and deconstructed way you would really be able to analyze how power operates in the world and I think it's important to also understand that again I stress upon the fact that when I talk about data or technology it's not something that is just um, you know bounded by like like it's not something that's just in the realm of the so-called tech bros or engineering colleges. It's applicable to us like everywhere, right? It doesn't matter which field you're from or it doesn't matter uh, which subject or which degree you hold. Data feminism is something that can be translated throughout in whatever work that you do. And as long as you understand the power that's operating and as long as you understand how you could challenge the power wherever necessary, then it's a very good first step towards achieving a more 
um, you know, equitable environment or to uh, at least towards a bit better world. So, yep, so that would be my reflection exercise. Take a situation in the coming week and try deconstructing it to really analyze the power that's playing there. Absolutely, that's brilliant. And I can't wait to do it and also hear from our listeners on their reflections from this week. Thank you so much for joining us today, Shakti. It was so great talking to you and learning with you. I just want to add that Shakti is always such a great learning experience listening to you talk about this. And it makes me realize every time just how much of an everyday part of my life data feminism should be because data is a part of every minute of my life. And I think we bring that to life so beautifully. So I hope for all of our listeners, we go back recognizing that every minute that we exist now, we're somewhere helping someone collect data. And it is upon us to also become more mindful, ask questions, and hold people accountable when it comes to data collection, processing, and the usages of data. Thank you for joining us so much today. As always, learned a lot. Thank you, Andita. Thank you, Sanchi. It was such uh, a great experience. This is actually my first podcast. So I think this is something that I like keep in my memory book and like be super proud of. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thanks so much once again, Shakti. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for joining us and listening in again today. We really appreciate your support. And if you like this episode, please do follow us on Instagram and Facebook at One Future Collective and at One Future underscore India on Twitter. And do keep an eye out for future episodes out every first and third Monday of the month. Please leave us your questions, comments or feedback uh, on Anchor or in our DMs. We look forward to hearing your thoughts. Until next time, take care of yourself and stay with us on our journey towards a radically kinder world.